Thank you and um, good afternoon. It's great to be with you uh, this afternoon. Uh, I don't know about you, but over the last year and a half, or nearly two years now, it's been quite challenging, hasn't it? And it's been dominated for a lot of people by these things. I don't know if you can see that. That's a um, lateral flow test, okay? And uh, the swabs, they make you gag a bit, don't they? I don't like the swabs and they're sticking it up your nose and all that and they're twisting around. It's pretty unpleasant and pretty uncomfortable. Uh, and then there's a the waiting, isn't it? So depending on what version you've been sent, you either have to wait 15 minutes or half an hour, or if you go and have a, a PCR test, it's sometimes a, a, a couple of days waiting for the result, and you're hoping that just one little line appears. Now, unfortunately, mine this morning took me that long. I've only got one line on this, that's fine. You're, you're just hoping one little line appears. But those aren't the only tests that we have in, in life, are they? Uh, we have tests in, in school, perhaps, when we're, we're um, youngsters. We have uh, driving tests, that can be quite a, a traumatic experience. I have quite a lot of eye tests. Um, I haven't had to have a pregnancy test recently, which is good. Um, but blood tests, fitness tests, all sorts of things, tests or tasks in job interviews, things like that. Uh, and you could probably think of, of other things, other ways that we're tested. Life is full of tests. And uh, let's be honest, tests can sometimes be really hard, can't they? Be really difficult. And sometimes they can be extremely painful to go to, through a fair sort of medical things. But what's their purpose? What's the point of all these tests? Well, in most of them, what they do is they, they prove something that is already true. So my little lateral flow test thingy proved, I hope, that I hadn't got COVID. They give us confirmation, they give us evidence or proof that something is real, something is genuine. And the Bible tells us that tests can give glory to God. They can be used for good. They prove our faith to be genuine, authentic. They lead to a refining and a reforming, a deepening of our relationship and character and commitment to Jesus. And testing is something that Zabi knows all too well. And there's a picture here, uh, hopefully. Um, I'm sure we'll get, yeah, okay, lovely. So, um, Zabi, testing is something that Zabi knows all too well. Zabi, you see, has a secret. She's a Christian, and the Taliban know it. So when Afghanistan dramatically fell into the hands of the Taliban last summer, Zabi's only choice was to flee her home, to run for her life. She was forced to gather whatever possessions she could find and run to the border. See, a few years ago, Zabi's father was killed for being a Christian. 
One day the Taliban came for him. They tortured him. They tortured him for months and then they killed him. Soon after that, Zabi's brother disappeared and was never seen again. Today, Zabi is a refugee. She says, I may have to go into hiding or be deported to Afghanistan. I may be killed if that happens. You know, in this life, if we call ourselves a Christian, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, we will face tests. Our faithfulness will be challenged. It will be tested. Now, a few of us here perhaps will face martyrdom or extreme persecution, like Sabi and her family have. But we will have moments of decision. We'll have moments of choice, maybe on a daily basis, where we'll be put under pressure, forced to choose between Jesus and the world. Now, um, there's a reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, and um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter was writing from Rome, the epicentre of the empire. It's around AD 64. And he was writing to a scattered group of believers living in Asia Minor, which is uh, Turkey today. A faithful minority living in an increasingly scary and hostile world. Peter wrote to them, he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never spoil, perish, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Wider history, you know, tells us that the early church were hunted, they were tortured, they were Sethonites sometimes, they were sent to do battle with wild animals, Daring to utter the words, I am a Christian, not only led to mockery and insults, it was potentially deadly. And for the early church, there was a sense of expecting to be tested, to feel the heat of suffering, to suffer for Christ, to share in his suffering, and so become more like Jesus in the process. 
In the time of suffering, Peter writes about his persecution, suffering because of loyalty to Jesus Christ. You know, they were people belonging to a different kingdom, with allegiance to extend the rule of heaven and not the rule of Rome. And it's loyalty and allegiance and faithfulness to Jesus that still costs today. At Open Doors, it's estimated that more than 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. Put another way, that's one in seven Christians globally. One in five in Africa. Two out of five in Asia. One in 15 in Latin America. And every year Open Doors tracks the depth of danger and cost of being a Christian. And they release, as we've seen, the Open Doors World Watch List. And that ranks the countries where it is most difficult to follow Jesus, where following Jesus costs the most. And this is a 2022 Open Doors World Watch map. And it shows that the fire of persecution is still raging. Our brothers and sisters around the globe are tested to the limits. They're beaten, they're battered, they're broken, and often they're bleeding. Yet as well, they show us what genuine faith is like. The persecution of Christians has reached the highest level since the World Watch List began nearly 30 years ago. Afghanistan has become number one on the World Watch List. Now that doesn't mean that persecution has eased elsewhere. And it's still desperately hard to follow Jesus in all of those top 10 countries that we watched on that video. And in a sense, the triumph of the Taliban has only boosted other jihadist groups and extremism in places in Africa and Asia. The total number of Christians killed for their faith rose from 4,761 in 2021. It's risen, sorry, to, from, from that figure in, in the 2021 World Watch list, so to speak, to 5,898 in the 2022 list. That's an increase of 24%. And Nigeria, contributed almost 79% of the recording killings. Across West Africa, Christians have experienced both the squeeze and the smash of persecution. And across the world as a whole, the church is increasingly displaced 
or becoming a refugee status which just adds to its vulnerabilities. And religious nationalism continues to be a driver for the persecution of Christian minorities. In China there's a, a, a new era unfolding again and that's digital persecution. In 2021's World Watch list, China re-entered the top 20 after it had been out of that for a while. It had been number 43 in 2018, but it's shot up. And it's now ranks as the 17th worst offender in the world for the persecution of Christians. And much of that is through digital means. It's now become compulsory to install facial recognition technology in state-sanctioned churches. For Afghan Christians like Zabi, it didn't seem like life could get any harder, but then it did. It was already almost impossible to live openly as a Christian before the Taliban came to power. Zabi's young, she's well educated, she's active in human rights, so those are all dangerous qualities that make her a target for the Taliban. Praise God that he led field partners to Zabi when she found refuge in a neighbouring country. And thanks to the support of people and churches like yourselves, we have been able to give her food, pay her rent, give her money to stay safe and survive. She's been prayed with encouraged in her faith to stay strong. She's continuing to be helped, although she doesn't know what the future may hold. For Christians like Zabi, life and hope can sometimes hang by a thread. She said this, she said, you are a strand of hope to me. There's a chance I may live. And you know, it was in a, a similar cultural moment that Peter wrote those words of deep encouragement to the Christians in Asia Minor. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. There's three thoughts from this passage which I want us to reflect on. The first is that testing is real, but it's temporary. That's a very big reason that Peter says to rejoice, to take heart. In this you greatly rejoice, literally means to, to jump for joy. Now, I don't know about you, you might jump for joy um, maybe when you're, um, if you're a football fan, say when your football team scores a goal, I won't tell you who I support, it might upset you. Um, 
Perhaps when you pass an exam, something like that, you might jump for joy, but it seems crazy to, to greatly rejoice, to jump for joy in the context of suffering. But Peter says, when you're tested to the limits, when you're in the fire, you can have that joy that isn't dependent on circumstances. But it's rooted in something far deeper. We sang that song at the beginning, didn't we, about Jesus being with us in the fire. And that's which can bring comfort and joy in the midst of suffering. Testing and trials won't last. They're temporary. Peter says, note the phrase, suffer for a little while. This world is fleeting. This life is but a blip on the road to eternity. We need to keep remembering that. Eternity is so close. In a sense, I always think we already live in eternity, don't we? If we're in Christ, we're already in eternity. That's the prize, the inheritance that's on offer for us. In this, you greatly rejoice. I wonder what you rejoice in. Peter has written, hasn't he? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. We've been born again into God's family. We're heirs of salvation. We've been brought into a new and living hope. And that's made possible by the resurrection of Jesus. He defeated sin, he defeated death. And we have that inheritance as children of God. Nothing, nothing in this world can possibly match that. There's an inheritance that will never come to an end, will never decay, will never disappear. And it's kept for you by God himself, so it's secure. Test trials and suffering, you know, they should make us long for the full reign of the kingdom of heaven. They're meant to make us long for home, so to speak. So testing is real, but it is temporary. And for us, for children of God, the best really is yet to come. Testing also refines faith. It shows whose you really are. It shows who you belong to. Trials and suffering prove faith. It shows it's authentic. It shows it's genuine. And the, world, the picture Peter uses here is of gold being tested and refined being heated to the hottest of temperatures to remove all the impurities and then to be continued to be heated watching for the molten metal to become shiny and reflective and that would kept being done until 
you could see your own reflection in that precious metal. And you know, quite simply, Jesus longs to see his own reflection in us. When the so-called Islamic State swept across the Nineveh Plain in northern Iraq a few years ago, Dr. Reba lost everything he had strived for all of his life. In the space of a few hours, Dr. Reba lost everything. You see, he ran a successful business, he owned a few properties, he had a number of cars, he owned a lot of land, and that gave him status and influence in his community. And you could say that at that time he had it all, but just a few hours changed everything. And as the Islamic State swept through his town to, to cleanse it of Christians, Dr. Reba had to grab his wife and children and they literally ran for their lives. Persecution turned his life upside down, but it deepened and refined his faith. He said this, he said, before they took every, away everything, I was a Christian only by name, but now my faith is alive. I now know the love of God more than ever before. And he also said this, which I have found so challenging. He went on to say, one of the greatest challenges you face as Christians in the West is that you are more in love with life than you are Jesus and it makes you unwilling to die for him. I find that immensely challenging. Testing will refine our faith. It leads to a deepening, a reforming of faith and identity in Christ. We might not fully understand it and we certainly wouldn't choose to go through the difficult experiences that we all encounter. But you know, maybe that the primary effect of suffering sometimes is to free us from our attachments, to help us to love Jesus more. That picture of gold being stripped of impurities is a powerful picture, a picture of our lives when we're suffering. Suffering has a way of loosening and removing, taking away our attachments, the things we hold tightly. And ultimately it can free us to, as Dr. Reber says, to be more in love with Jesus than with life. And testing also means encountering more of Jesus. Suffering is almost always used by God if, and in some ways that's a key word if, if we let him work in our hearts. God is at work in the pain shaping us, working good out of the bad, out of the difficulties. Perhaps, you know, we all need reminding how precious and how valuable we are in God's eyes. 
Jesus is with us. Perhaps at the moment you're going through stuff and it's really hard to see where, where Jesus could possibly be in this or how he could use it. But remind yourself, you are loved and you are precious to Jesus. And Jesus knows what it's like to be tested, to suffer, to be hated, to be mocked, to be persecuted. Jesus is with us. He's by our side, he's present. And this is something that Bay from North Korea experiences daily. She says this, whenever I open my eyes in the morning, I feel the presence of our Father. She describes the suffering she goes through as a shortcut to God, a way of knowing and experiencing Jesus more deeply. Every morning in the village that she's been forced to live in because she's a Christian, she spends a day working in the fields. She has a daily quota to meet its backbreaking work for life. Her crime was owning a Bible. She's close to starving like everybody else in that village. They're given just enough to stay alive. But that's not Bay's real work, or not what she sees as her real work. That starts at night under the cover of darkness. At night she will leave her village and go into the woods and find a tree where she has a hidden Bible. She'll take it back to her village where there'll be a, a few Christians waiting for her in a, a place where they've drawn all the curtains, try to make it as secure as they can. And they will read the Bible together and they will teach them from the Bible. Bay says she encounters more of Jesus through her testing. I'm reminded of some brothers and sisters I met when on, on a trip to Vietnam. I had the privilege of going with open doors to, to Vietnam uh, in 2019 before COVID hit us. And there we uh, met a, a, a number of people. Uh, Two people we met were an uncle and his nephew and they told us through an interpreter that the nephew had become a Christian through his wife and uh, they had been a Christian uh, two or three years, lived in a village. The village weren't over happy with them, they just about tolerated them. The village was very um, into animalistic worship. They used to make a lot of animal sacrifices to appease um, various gods that they thought could help them. And this man's uncle was the chief animal sacrificer, so an important person in the village. Uh, one day the nephew decided to show a film about Jesus and he invited his uncle along. His uncle became a Christian uh, and within 24 hours they were worshipping together and their house was attacked. They were dragged out and beaten. The nephew's arm was broken. The uncle was dragged off to the authorities and whipped and beaten, told to deny Jesus. They needed him, you see. They needed him to sacrifice the animals for the gods as they were afraid 
awful things would happen. This man was illiterate, so it had less than 24 hours anyway, and um, he couldn't have read the Bible if he'd wanted to. So basically, it was the Holy Spirit who was given him the strength and the power to remain faithful to Jesus, which he did. We asked him through our interpreter how he managed to do that. He said this, he said, well, the river only flows in one direction. I decided that I would follow Jesus, so I couldn't go back. Testing will be temporary. It will refine our faith and it will help us to encounter more of Jesus. And that's a challenge, I guess, for us today to, to make Jesus Lord of all, isn't it? I wonder what we need to loosen, perhaps, to lay down what we need to give up for Christ. The persecuted church, uh, for me, has blessed me much more than I could ever um, bless anybody. It's such a challenge to think about what our brothers and sisters go through. You might um, be thinking, uh, how can I, I help, what can I do? Well, one of the things that you can do is to um, get informed. So Open Doors has a great website. It's opendoorsuk.org, he says. I'm not convinced I got that right. But <laughs> if you put Open Doors UK in your search, you'll, you'll get that. Um, they have lots of great resources. Um, you can advocate. So sometimes there'll be campaigns to write to your MP or to, to write to various organisations advocating on behalf of um, persecuted Christians. Of course you can, can give. And I'm so grateful that you, you had an offering, didn't you, before Christmas and, and gave to Open Doors and, and that's so appreciated. And, you know, if they were here, our brothers and sisters would be overwhelmed with gratitude because that's one of the things on, on a couple of trips I've been on that they've just been so grateful that people remember them and care for them. Another way you could um, help is by um, donating um, and receiving one of these. So if you donate 10 pounds, you can have a secret devotional Originally, and it says in the inside cover, these were a campaign for getting Bibles into North Korea, so they're sort of about the size of some sort of scripture that might be smuggled in. That, that's gone a bit wider now, so it would go to the, the general work of Open Doors. Um, but it is written in Korean, as you can see from the front. No, it's not really. Only one page. It's a, a devotional which has a, a day for each day of the year, something to read, and reflect on and respond in a way um, which focuses on the persecuted church. Um, and it's only dated, so it's not got dates, so it will last you for the rest of your lifetime. Um, and then £10, please um, uh, have one if you'd like one. 
Um, the other thing you could do is sign up to receive emails and, and prayer um, suggestions from Open Doors. And if you, you do that, I'm allowed to give you a copy of God's Smuggler. Now, I wonder how many people have read the book God's Smuggler. Have people read this book? Yeah, a few of you have. It is an awesome book. When I was first a Christian, which is a number of years ago now, someone gave me this and it blew my mind. That's how I first heard about Open Doors. It's about the, the founder of Open Doors. And um, it's got a, a later chapter from when Open Doors was 60, so five years ago. But it is a, an amazing read. I read it again in lockdown and I was again just blown away by, by how God operated through the life of, of Brother Andrew. Brilliant. So, um, and there's various resources on the table. Sadly, the resources for the 2022 World Watch List, I was hoping would arrive in time for today, but they haven't made it. They will arrive on my doorstep tomorrow, I can guarantee you. But, um, it's easy to get hold of. Just go to the website, they'll be so willing to send you stuff. Okay, so that's, that's me. Thank you, John, for giving my hand for that great work. I, I do encourage you to go to the website to sign up. Don't see it as another newsletter. You know, sometimes you think, yes, yeah, so many newsletters, but it's a very good one. The website's very cool. I again, to get any of those resources, there's even. Um, God's mother, the youth, isn't there? I'm handing them out. Yeah, well, yeah, and I've got some um, little comics and DVDs for yeah. children. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're brilliant. And, um, you know, I love the story when he's driving and his Bible's on the dashboard. Mm. I remember that one. He's got a van full of Bibles driving through into communist USSR. And uh, there's a few Bibles everywhere. The guards don't even see the Bibles, which is a crazy, crazy story like that. But thank you so much. Uh, John, I just feel like it's just time to just, let's just pray for the persecuted church. It's just stand in faith. It's not just kind of hear that and not do anything. Let's give it to the Lord. Let's let's pray right now, especially for those top ten lists. Let's just stand to our feet and just pray for, for them right now. Because you, know, you never know. I just want you to know that one day that could be us. Well, all of those countries are peaceful at one time. And so um, things can change, especially in the end times that we're in. So let's let's pray right now for those nations. Let's pray for Afghanistan. Just lift up our voices to the Father.